Was there something happening that day that made you want to ask that question? Oh, yeah. Um, I woke up um, the next morning and he was in our bed. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Okay, sorry. Wait, you're putting out this public image uh, on Instagram or social media or maybe to your friends and family that everything is just great. But behind closed doors, you both were unhappy. Yep, we were both extremely unhappy. And I think the biggest downfall was we never really fought. We never really fought, which means we never really talked about our feelings. Mm. And we never really had honest check-ins. And I think both of us just kind of wanted to ignore these deep-rooted issues. And that's not really going to work long-term. Welcome to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. Join me, your fearless host, Kayla Dahl, as I interview comedians, experts, and share about my own self-help journey. Maybe we'll learn a thing or two. Sure, we've all got issues, but if you can laugh about them, then they no longer have power over you. Let's do this. Hey, 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 welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Kayla Dahl. If you're new here, welcome to your new favorite cozy corner of the internet. If you've been here before, I'm so excited that you came back. (laughs) Grab yourself a cup of tea, glass of wine, whatever strikes your fancy, and settle in because this week's episode, it's a lot. It's fun. We are talking about a subject that is so common and yet so taboo. I'm talking about hashtag divorce, baby. My guest, Jake Breslauer, he is a stand-up comedian who is based in Seattle. And we go way back to when he was here in LA. And he was really vulnerable and funny and so honest about his experience of his recent divorce and quite literally waking up in bed next to his wife with another man also in that bed. I mean, that just sounds like a Real Housewives level of drama that I cannot even imagine living through. And he really handled himself with a lot of poise and grace through all of these life transitions, sought out therapy. And of course, there's no perfect way to do things. We're all going to fuck up. We're all human. But if you're able to learn from your failures and try to be better at relationships after something like this happens, then you know what? My hats go off to you. So we talk all about ways to cope after divorce about my habit of good luck chucking men into therapy, learning from our mistakes and doing better. And of course, we touch on all the different improv and stand-up comedy that Jake and I have been involved in in LA. So this episode is a real, real treat. And I hope you enjoy. Uh, Also, if you're new here, something I should have mentioned earlier, please uh, hit that subscribe button or follow wherever it is that you're listening to your podcasts. Really appreciate it. Also, if you rate and review, just writing a little review, a little love note to your favorite funny mental health podcast really would definitely help us out. Disclaimer, this show is not meant to be a substitute for therapy or medical advice. I'm not a doctor. 
I know, shocking, but hey, I am learning more about psychology every day. Each new diagnosis means I get to go down another rabbit hole or Reddit and new therapies. Yay! <laughs> That's all, and without further ado, please enjoy. Today's guest is someone who I go way, way back with. So he's currently living in Seattle. However, when he was in Los Angeles, he's been a very prolific stand-up comedian, and I had him on the scramble, and he always brought down the house. And uh, we've bonded over some very similar relationship history that we've had. Mm -hmm. And he's just a really funny, really sweet guy, part of the tribe. Please welcome Jake Breslauer. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate yeah, yeah. you. And Great like, to see you. I know. Through the magic of the internet, we have made this happen. And also, I want to say, this is the first get new guest that I am recording in 2023. So, there you go. Awesome. I feel special. <laughs> you are special, Jake. You're very special. Thank you. Thank you. I hope in a positive way. Uh <laughs> oh, let's take a pause for the cause. Because I think, uh, I don't know about you, but I had a little bit of a busy day leading up to this recording sesh. Did you have a busy day? Uh, yeah, super busy. Um, office life, nine to five. <laughs> okay. So is it weird for you? Could we like take a breath together and then we could do a mental health check-in? Absolutely. Okay, great. And listeners who are listening, we love doing this. Just like, even if you're driving, obviously, please don't close your eyes, but you take a breath while driving and concentrating on the road. <laughs> right. So we're going to just breathe in for a count of five, and then we'll breathe out for a count of five, and then we'll see how we feel. Great. All right. We're going to breathe in. One, two, three, four, five, and just hold that at the top for a second. Feel how great it is for your lungs to be full of all that beautiful air, and breathe out for one, Two, three, four, five. Now, I'm not going to do a whole guided meditation, so that's all we're going to do today. But, you know, we could do that another time. But how? tell me, how are you feeling in your body right now, Jake? And, like, what's what's going on? What's coming up? Right now, in this moment, I'd say pretty fantastic. Yeah? There's that wonderful moment when you get home from work and I like to have my set routine and it's always cooking dinner. Made a good salmon, got settled in for the night. It's just, I think the after work decompress is my favorite time of the day. So you caught me at a good point. Oh, that's good. Do you put on music while you're cooking? Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what's your favorite kind of music to listen to when you're cooking? Usually jazz. Like I'll put on like some Bill Evans or just something chill to listen to. If I'm feeling a little spicy, maybe I'll put on some Taylor Swift, something along there. But <laughs> A spicy Swifty it, over here. Yeah. Uh, who's not? <laughs> Amazing. That's no, cool. It depends on like what my cooking mood is. Like If it's been a chill day, it's going to be some jazz. If I like want to take out some aggression and really cook aggressively, then oh yeah, it's going to be some T-Swift. <laughs> what is aggressive cooking? Please uh, enlighten oh, me. It's just a mindset. Like if I can... Because I love to cook dinner from home every night. And if I am in just a terrible mood, it's going to be like heavy chopping, lots of oil, throw, try to pretend I like I know how to do a cool technique. Just <laughs> Like you're an iron chef and you've got the timer going and you've got to get that secret ingredient right in there. Exactly. Just, just role playing me and myself in the kitchen. It's fantastic. <laughs> Incredible. 
Uh, so you have a big history working in like the food industry. So that must be a good outlet for you. Yeah. Both of my parents were chefs growing up. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They um, owned a number of restaurants around Washington state. So that was how I kind of grew up was in the restaurant industry. Very similar to like Bob's Burgers. My parents make me and my sister work in the restaurant, washing dishes, like prepping burger meat. And yeah, every day before I went to school, it would carve halibut and just kind of learn the tricks of the trade for culinary. Wow. That's so interesting. And so then what made you want to get into comedy and when did that start? Comedy started when I was, I think like 14 years old. There was like a competition in Washington called um, Destination Imagination. They had a improv comedy portion and my mom's like, you like acting, you like all stuff, you should probably improv comedy. So I started improv when I was like 14, continued it through college. And then when I got to LA, that's when I started doing stuff at UCB. What did you think when you first got to LA? How was that move for you? Uh, LA was a trip and a half, um, especially like going into those improv classes. Cause I definitely do get a good level of social anxiety. And so just being in a room with like people who've been in LA for like five plus years doing this, I'm like, I need to come at this with as much crazy energy as possible. Cause that's the only way that I can just push through my social anxiety. Yeah. And so I would just go into improv classes and just ease, just instantly start being the crazy one. That was kind of how I got into it. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And it's like, so what, what was the reaction when you're instantly going in there and being the crazy one? That was like you overcompensating for your social anxiety or just kind of hiding it? I think it's definitely me trying to overcompensate and being like, God, I am so uncomfortable around new people. So I'm just going to bring in the high energy. And I think definitely like through the UCB classes, like, great, you have energy. Let's turn how to learn how to tone that down a little bit <laughs> and just stop screaming every time you're on stage. Is that Oh, so that was your default. Like you were just so excited to be there. Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, this is amazing. And they're like, OK, cool. Let's <laughs> let's stop screaming for two seconds. Improv and stand up are very different forms of comedy because in improv, you're playing characters. How did you decide to start writing your own jokes and doing more of a solo act? It was honestly just something I wanted to try. Um, I've been doing improv for so many years and big fan of stand-up comedy as well. And I'm like, I'm just going to give it a shot. And everyone says like, you know, like your first couple years in stand-up comedy are just not pretty. Is that true for you? Or was that true for you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I stunk on ice for like a long time. And I think that was part of the fun of the process for me though, was just going through and, Every night trying something new and being like, well, this doesn't work. This does work. That got a little bit of a laugh and just kind of building a stage persona just off of failure, which is really, which I found to be the funnest part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. You, you So you can't be afraid to fail if you're going to go up there over and over again, trying to get the laugh because you're not, like you said, it's a beginner's mindset. And mm-hmm. if you go into it thinking, well, if I don't get all of the laughs right out of the gate, then I'm going to quit then you're not going to be able to stick around long enough to really learn and grow. Exactly. That's hundred percent what it is. You gotta, you gotta go with the failure. My thing is like, if I bomb at a show or if I bomb at a mic, I have to go to a mic or do another show like that night. I'm like, I can't just like get in my head. If I have a terrible set, I'm like, all right, I got to do it again tonight. Otherwise I'm just going to shut down for a few days. 
Because that's kind of my reaction after a bad show. I'm like, I, I don't want to ever do this again. Yeah. Is, is that still the case? Oh, absolutely. If I do, if I do a bad set, I'm like, all right, I got to go out and do another set tonight. I got to find a way to get another, get more stage time. What if this bad thing happens and it's late at night and there's not another place to go and do a set? Has that ever happened? Oh, absolutely. Uh, if that doesn't, like, if I can't get on another show, I just go and I just write for like hours. I'm like, all right, I got to do something creative, Good. write, I don't know, maybe do a stupid TikTok, like something just to get myself out of my brain and be like, all right, tonight was a failure, reset, do it again. Don't let it get in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And I really admire that because I try to read as many uh, biographies of successful or famous people as possible so that I can reverse engineer my own life (laughs) and try to become better. And the similar thread that seems to be there, regardless of if it's a business person or someone in the arts or government is being okay with failure and almost embracing it in a way. And I, I feel like I'm very similar in that way uh, because I'm not afraid to try new things and, Uh, I would say also in relationships, you know, um, even when shit goes south, I'm going to take my time to heal. I'm going to process. I'm going to figure out where I went wrong because we can't just keep blaming our partners. And (laughs) then I'm going to keep going out there and trying to believe in love again, you know? And I don't know if this is true for you, but it seems like We've had similar quote unquote failures in our relationships and it seems like you're thriving now. Would you be comfortable talking more about that, Jake? Absolutely. Uh, like walk us through, because our listeners, you're new to them, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry to blow up your spot, but uh, J- Jake was married. I remember actually I, I visited you. Yes. Was- yes. You you met my ex-wife. Um, in Portland. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was still living in Portland, like uh, right before the pandemic. Yeah, because I was up yeah. there. My short film, will Never Make It, was in the Portland Comedy Film Festival, and I didn't really know anyone in the city, so I was staying with a friend of a friend. <laughs> and then I basically hit you up because, or you did, I forget, because I just don't really know anyone in Portland. And um, you, were so, you were so nice to just invite me into your home, and you guys were having some sort of party, and it was really nice. Yeah, we were um, in our early 30s playing beer pong in our apartment, which I am not afraid afraid to admit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot that beer pong was even happening. All I remembered was it was uh, in a very tall building with a really cool view. Yeah, God, I uh, love that place. That was a really cool place. But anyway, so long story short, that relationship is no longer. So when did it end and what's the deal? What happened? Yeah, so we ended back in... Um, uh, two days before Christmas last year. So it was December 23rd, uh, 2021. Um, that, yep. So that was the night when I found out um, that my ex-wife was having an affair. Wow. Two days before Christmas. Yeah. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear that. How long had you been together before this happened? We had been married for about almost two years. And we were together for about a year and a half before we got engaged. Uh-huh. We got married right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I, it's interesting you were saying earlier, you know, you are saying like, how do I reflect on myself? How do I do personal reflection? And I think that's been a large part of my growing process right now is that, 
you know, I can blame my ex for a lot of stuff that happened. Right. But I've really taken the time for personal reflection, especially in the relationship. Yeah, because there was, at the beginning, there was a lot of red flags for both of us. So when you first got together, these red flags were right in the beginning while you were dating? I think the red flags kind of started to settle in actually closer to the marriage date. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think uh, for both of us, I think we both kind of saw them. We're like, this is how we're not going to work in a relationship. Um, but we're really good friends and we're like, we can just ignore those and they'll get better, which I think I saw a good meme on the internet that kind of like said like, um, the red flags that are there on day six are going to be there in year six. Right. So, yeah. So I think we both just kind of let those go by the wayside a little bit. Yeah. And, but you, do you feel like you have, um, so longtime listeners will know I also, I, I'm not divorced, but I feel like I'm divorced adjacent, uh, <laughs> cause I was engaged and called off a whole wedding. And I remember at least for me. Even though the whole experience was the most painful thing in my entire life, I didn't have a big regret about it because, I mean, of course, in the moment I did. But once I was able to process everything and do all of that, you know, I felt like I had learned a lot about myself and that I was going to do better in the future. Is that something that was true for you as well? Oh, almost instantaneously. It was crazy how big of a turnaround it was. Yep. The second when I found out everything I did and when I decided to leave that relationship, I was like therapy instantly as much as I possibly can. Good. Yeah. Uh, Therapy was my big one. Um, Physical exercise was a huge one Um, because definitely, you know, dealing with relationship trauma, it's easy to get stuck in your house. It's easy to get stuck in your own head. And so instantly I started doing 10 to 15 mile walks every single day. Mm hmm. And just as a great way to get out of my head and just get my body moving and just really try to get as grounded as humanly possible. Because definitely dealing in that type of situation, like you're, the negative parts of your brain wants to take over. Yeah. And yeah. And finding just positive things to do for your body just kind of help prevent that. Because uh, they're going to be there. Those negative thoughts, those negative feelings are always going to be there. But just finding... Not so much distractions, but just ways to make yourself feel better. It starts to kind of, the feelings become less sharp and more dull. That was a big thing for me, how I like to describe it. When you um, were doing these exercises, like what kind of exercise were you doing? Uh, Mostly walking. Just a whole lot of walking. Um, And they started to add in a lot of gym work. And I just found that if I could control like how I was keeping my body healthy, mm-hmm. that it would just slowly go into my mind, which it did. And it worked out pretty well. It's still an ongoing process every day. Like, I remember like Googling, like, how long does it take before you're over a divorce? And Google's like, we don't know. We don't, <laughs> you know. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. That's amazing. I Googled shit like that before too. Like, okay, so when do you know if you should leave your fiance or like going on Reddit on those relationship boards and just uh, reading about p- other people's bad relationships and kind of like comparing them to mine and seeing, okay, well, is mine on the scale of one to 10 out of all these other horrible relationships I'm reading about, like, how does mine compare? <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> I, 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 I feel like the internet should have a um, like, 
an automated thing where like if you type in anything like that it's just like your screens go blank just the words go to therapy should come up <laughs> i know <laughs> i know exactly and it's like we all know that we need to go to therapy but you know in our modern brains we're able to google everything and guess what we can't google our own feelings or our mental state and we can't Unfortunately, the computers can't tell us whether we should stay with our partners or not. And that's really too bad because maybe it would be yeah. nice. I know. I paid a lot of money for this computer. I'd love for it to be able to predict my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, but then the robots might take over. Oh, I don't care. Let them have it. I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your attitude? Yeah, I'm just such a, yeah. That I, I, I just roll over. I'm like, oh, okay. Robot overlords. I'm fine with it. So if, if you were in Black Mirror, you, you, you'd you be totally chill living in that society. I'm fine. I'm like, cool. Like, everyone's <laughs> everyone's happy. I don't care if it's fake. Like, let's have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a better attitude to have. So after you were able to kind of uh, process everything, you said that exercise was a really big deal and obviously therapy. That's awesome that you are a man who is open about going to therapy and that that was your instinct mm-hmm. you know i was yeah i did get a little braggy about it like my hinge profile just said um i cook i clean i go to therapy and that was it <laughs> yeah. that, that's not a brag i think that's beautiful yeah. I, i'm pretty sure so i'm not on the dating apps currently but on my last go round, i'm pretty sure that i had something in my bio about wanting to date men who have been to therapy so, you know, it's, I think it's okay. It's like, I, I hear that from a lot of girlfriends now and they're like, that's like number one on their checklist is, which I feel like isn't a huge ask, just ask another human being just to be slightly in touch with their emotions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think for, for millennials, especially, I cannot speak for Gen X or Gen Z. They have different problems than we do. Uh, but for me, and a lot of other women around the same age, uh, we've had to do so much emotional labor for our partners. And for me specifically, I will say I, good luck, chucked three different partners in a row into therapy. Great. Because I was tired of being their sexy therapist. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I will give my ex-wife some credit. She was the one who's like, fucking therapy. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, and it's, you know, it's a symptom of, this is my theory, and go with me on it. You tell me if I'm wrong, actually. I'm curious. The way that boys were socialized in our country at that time, uh, in the 80s, 90s, whatever, that uh, it, it was very gendered and very, oh, boys don't cry, boys don't have feelings, and if you do show your feelings, then you're not tough. And girls, of course, you need to go talk about your feelings. And that's how you're going to bond with each other. Would you say that's accurate? Um, I think to an extent in like a lot of traditional male worlds, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I was very fortunate in the way that I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up around a lot of hippies and emotions were celebrated and they were mm-hmm. and they were expressed. Um, I'm very fortunate in that fact. Um, but even still, like growing up, like... Um, like, I was definitely, like, of the age where, like, uh, gay was still an insult to men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even though, like, I grew up, like, around, like, a lot, like, free love and 
acceptance is beautiful. Like that was still a thing, especially with young boys, like gay being an insult, which I am extremely happy as a society. We are moving away from that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I feel like things are more quote unquote woke now, uh, which some people are upset about, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, we're not using people's disabilities or sexual orientation as an insult anymore. So I count that as progress. I think that's a huge <laughs> one. We'll take it. <laughs> so that's good. Maybe not you, but because you're a guy who goes to therapy, right? But the men who are, I'm not going to call you all bad men out there, but I am going to say there are some men who use the women in their lives as therapists instead of actually just going to therapy. Mm -hmm. And you get into this dynamic where you want to help your partner. They, they first discover, oh my God, I think I have depression. Can I talk to you about that? Right. And then of course you want to be there, but then I think there has to be some sort of boundary, which is so hard to set to say, I love you. You're my partner. And I want you to be able to share your feelings with me. However, I also feel that a professional is going to do a better job of sorting this all out for you and giving you really actionable tools that you can use. And like, this is a stranger that you can say anything to instead of someone who is your mom or your sister or your girlfriend, you know? Uh, so that's just a little, little soapbox rant that I guess needs yeah. to come out. <laughs> oh no, I like, I will be the first one to admit I was guilty of that. Like, cause I'm just like, Hey, like I'm feeling sadness. Can I talk to you? It's like a little like, but we need to figure yeah. out like what else is going on with you. Um, if there's the underlying issues. Right. So it's, it's, it's tough. Cause of course, look at you who wouldn't want to be there for you and hug you when you, when you're sad, like, of yeah. course. Yeah. I'm uh, very lovable, but, but also, <laughs> so, but also sometimes I can be a prick. And oh, Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, How so? Tell me more about this prickishness. <laughs> oh god, I don't really believe in star signs, but I guess I'm a Taurus through and through, is what okay. a few exes have told me. Does that mean that you're stubborn? Oh, uh, extremely. I am the most stubborn person I know. Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> and like that, yeah. Like I'm very, I'm very stubborn. I'm very much a clean freak. And yeah. I think I've definitely like just like made exes mad where I'm like, hey, like you didn't fold the socks right way. Like, OK, we can let that go. <laughs> wow. Wow. OK. Interesting. You know, so I'm a cancer, which is the crab. I have a ton of friends and lovers that have been very into astrology. So by default, I have to know a lot about it. The crab, our whole negative thing is that uh, everyone's like, oh, my God, you're so emotional. You're so sensitive. And I wish it wasn't true, but it is. Yeah, I love it. So, so no, I don't I, know. I love it. I because I I pride myself on my emotions. Like yeah, like I like I I tell every girl I date, I'm like, if it's if I watch a movie, I'm gonna cry. Oh. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter what movie it is. I don't know why. Every single movie makes me cry, and I love it. Like I love just See, sometimes the it's emotions. like a happy tears. What was the last movie that you uh that you cried? Oh. In? The last movie I cried in was Babylon. Okay. And what part? Yeah. Oh, um, spoiler alert for anyone um, is watching. The end of the movie, 
when uh did you see babylon i have not uh but i will watch it after this podcast now for sure (laughs) okay end of the movie it's all about like the transition from like silent films to talking films and just like the crazy madness that went on in like early days of hollywood and near the end of the film one of the guys one of the main characters of the film was like watching like this film he worked on like years and years later and just watching people enjoy the film and knowing that he was one of the people that made this happen and like the nostalgia they misses in films and he starts in the movie just weeping in the movie theater and i am full body sobbing in an amc like wow <laughs> it was I don't that like that that got me good. Were you on a date or were you alone? No, I was with my uh I was I was with my girlfriend and just she sitting there. He has a there. girlfriend now, folks. I got a girlfriend. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh okay. And and so when you are full body sobbing, what's she doing? Uh cracking up the entire time cuz like cuz I I I I don't know what like form of masculinity feels like I need to like hold on to sobbing emotions. But I was also in public and she could just see like, cause like it starts with my shoulders uh-huh. and then goes down into my chest and just the whole body shake when I sob. So. I mean, it's, it's very endearing, you know, you're really feeling things. Yeah. I'm feeling my emotions, but trying to hold them in in public. So she could just feel my chair starting to shake. And she goes like, Oh crap. Like, <laughs> Cause yeah, cause it's uh, it's so much friction. It's almost like when you try to like a car's going really fast and you try to brake and it kind of gets boop, 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 before yeah. you can actually brake. You can imagine <laughs> that you're just uh, just right? like holding it in. Uh, it, it is interesting how many emotions as like a toddler I took into adulthood. What, what like yeah. what? Like well, like I used to do that as a kid. Like when I cry, my whole body would gyrate, and I just I still do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Your basic essence is, in my opinion, there is a very basic essence of every human being that exists when they're babies, and mm-hmm. they, they're, it's going to be there as an adult at least a little bit. About divorce and everything, but the affair, was it someone that you knew or a stranger? It was a friend of hers um, mm-hmm. who was also a friend of mine. Mutual friend. Yep. Mutual friend. And yeah. So even after or while this happening, I still don't know the details. Uh, he was still very much in my life. Wow. Yeah. So how did, so that, did that feel like an extra layer of betrayal? It must have. Yeah. Because we were all um, hanging out one night um, mm-hmm. after the affair had happened. But I know it happened. So the affair, like, how long did it last? Do you even know? No idea. No idea. I still don't know if it was a one-time thing, if it was a continuous thing. Yeah, just details that I just didn't really want to get into with her. So you didn't ask her that? It was just kind of like you found out that the affair had happened because she told you? I had to pry it out of her. Oh. Were there signs? Upon reflection, there were a lot of signs. Was there something happening that day that made you want to ask that question? Oh, yeah. Um, I woke up um, the next morning and he was in our bed. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Okay, sorry. Wait, wait. Okay. Walk me through. You're sleeping there and he's also there? Yep. We were all hanging out a um, couple nights for Christmas. Uh, I remember this. Now, I want to preface this for me. 
this is hilarious. Well, thank you. We're going to yeah, treat it as such. Yeah. This is a comedy. I can't wait. <laughs> it's a comedy bit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we were, I remember the movie. We were watching Love Actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, her, and the guy. Oh, wow. Just the three of you. Yep. Okay. Just the three of us, all in our house, drinking vodka. And um, it, it's getting a little late. I have to go to work early the next day. I'm like, all right, um, I'm going to go to bed because we'd all been drinking. And I guess they stayed up, continued to drink. And I woke up in the middle of the night because I felt something kind of heavy in the bed. Mm. And I roll over and he is in the bed with her. Oh, all three of you are in the same bed. Yeah, after I'd gone to sleep. <laughs> okay, okay. Interesting. <laughs> and I, I just woke up like, what the, the, the fuck's going on here? And he goes like, well, she invited me in here. I'm like, I hope she didn't. Like, what the hell, man? And... Kicked the guy out of my house. Um, and at that point, she still wouldn't admit it. I'm like, what happened? And she's like, oh, he just crawled in the bed. I don't know why he did that. I'm like, that is extremely weird. Yeah, so because you I, had a couch. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had a couch. He had a place to sleep. We had, uh, we had a second bedroom. I, I, I made him a bed and everything. Um, oh, wow. And he chose <laughs> your bed. Wow. Okay, okay. He chose my bed. The um, plot is thickening. Oh, dude. Like, if any, like, I love this story because it just brings people so much joy with how juicy it is. Like, it's... Okay, it is, keep going. <laughs> it is some real CW shit. And the next day, like, I text the guy. I'm like, you know how weird that was, right? I'm like, why are you in my bed? Why were you spooning my wife? I'm like, you crossed a huge boundary and, you know, you broke her trust and, you know, you broke my trust. I'm like, that was completely inappropriate. And then he texts back. He was like, well, just so you know, your wife is, isn't a saint. I'm like, what does that oh. mean? Yeah. And so I was texting her. I'm like, what does he mean by that? She's like, oh, just block his number, block his number. Like, oh, don't talk wow. to him again. And I kind of pried it out of her. I'm like, did you bring this guy into her bed last night? And she's like, yeah, I did. And she was like, I don't know why I did. And I was like, dude, I'm like, I'm, I'm done with this. Because we'd had a couple other instances, you know, where she was flirting openly in front of me and just kind of not making me feel great. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'm, 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 I'm done with this behavior. I'm like, I don't know how much more of this relationship I can do. We've been on the rocks for a while. Sure. And she was like, give me a chance. Give me a chance. I'm like, okay, one more chance. And then we're at home watching another Christmas movie because it was Christmas time. And then I got a text from him explaining the affair. Good. Oh, so man to man, he told you. He told me. And I was just like, I was still like, no, like that, that didn't happen. He's just being an asshole. What did he, did he just say about one incident or did he... What did he say? No, he just he just said, just so you know, your wife and I are having an affair. And I didn't, it is a very long text message, but I didn't read past that because my brains went, and I looked at my wife at the time. I'm like, what does he mean by affair? And she still denied it. She was like, no, it means emotional affair. It means an emotional affair. And I just kind of had this feeling. I'm like, in the time that we've been married, have you slept with anybody else? I'm like, I'm just going to ask flat out. And then she got silent, and then I still had to pry it out of her. And then eventually she told me that, yes, it was this guy. They had slept together prior. And the night that we were all hanging out, uh, I guess they both got drunk and tried to fool around in the bed while I was asleep in it. That is absolutely... Isn't that... 
it's a, such a violation. It's so insane. And also, like, what the fuck? Like, that's so messy. <laughs> like, if you're going to have an affair, at least be fucking smart about it. Yeah, she could afford a hotel room. They could both afford it in a hotel room. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, but you know, but at the same time, if someone's being that messy, you have to wonder. Maybe she wanted to get caught. Hundred percent. Right. Hundred percent. Because she's we, not. She's not stupid. No, no, she was not a stupid person at all. Um, I think wow. she wanted. Yeah, she wanted out of that relationship for a while. Um, as I well. Mean, that is I. a. That is quite a way to do it, though. That was quite a way to do it. And oh my god, it's just going down in fucking flames! Like what the fuck? And no wonder. Like, of course, you didn't read the rest of the text message from the guy because as soon as you saw, "I'm having an affair with your wife," your brain probably just completely blacked out, right? It completely blacked out. And the best part was the day after the motherfucker texted me again and it's like, you guys should work on this. I'm like, you should stop texting me. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, Wait, oh, he wanted to save your marriage. He wanted to save my marriage. I'm like, thank <laughs> you very much for being so considerate. <laughs> oh my God. That's actually, I feel like that's the funniest part for me is the person oh, yeah. who's participating in the affair <laughs> Um, following up as if he's going to be like a couple's counselor or, or something. Oh my God. It was so funny. I just, like, and it, it's so weird. It's like in a moment of like extreme grief and just huge loss, there is also this ginormous sense of relief for me because mm-hmm. I had just been, I've been completely unhappy for, I'd say most of my marriage. I was extremely unhappy and was trying to present as happy constantly. Like, we were definitely, like, an Instagram couple. We posted together a lot. We tried to be like, we're happy. When I think just deep down, both of us were just insanely happy with the situation that we were in. You're putting out this public image uh, on Instagram or social media or maybe to your friends and family that everything is just great. But behind closed doors, you both were unhappy? Yep, we were both extremely unhappy. And I think the biggest downfall was we never really fought. We never really fought, which means we never really talked about our feelings. Mm. And we never really had honest check-ins. And I think both of us just kind of wanted to ignore these deep-rooted issues. And that's not really going to work long-term. Nope. It's not going to work long term. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm never going to analyze my ex, but I think in the end, just kind of suppressing all those emotions, I think that's kind of what led her to do what she did. Sure. I mean, I've read a lot of books about relationships and like Esther Perel has a great book on infidelity. Uh, and what it seems like in general, whenever there's an affair, it's not about the sex. Mm hmm in general it's usually not just about the sex it's about some sort of problem in the primary relationship some need that is not being met either for one partner or both partners and that lack of communication that lack of real emotional intimacy because it's so silly how fucking simple it would be to escape this kind of problem which is something you didn't want to do but just checking in yeah just checking in. It can be that simple. Yeah. And just saying, yep. hi, how was your day? Or maybe once a week, because who wants to have these relationship conversations mm-hmm. every day? But maybe once a week, just saying, hey, how are you feeling? How's your heart? And 
And am I being a good partner for you? Is there anything I could do differently? Um, yeah. I mean, it, that's my version of a check-in. I'm not sure what yours looks like. Oh, no. I think it's extremely important. And a big difference uh, with me and my ex, I'm a communicator. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I like to say how I'm feeling in the moment. I like to talk about it. She was not that way. Definitely didn't want to talk about feelings. Didn't want to talk about emotions. And to no fault of her own, you know, some people have their own way of dealing with stuff. And it definitely, when I left that relationship, it realized like, hey, like the next person that I find, I need them to have the same level of communication that I do. That's good. See, and that's something you really learned through this horrific, but now comedic, uh, yes. experience. <laughs> well, it was a huge part, uh, I think for both of us in the realization that that relationship was not going to work out. Both read the book. Um, I think it's called attached. Yep. So you guys read this book attached. I'm looking at it right now. It's called attached the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. I haven't read this book, but I have read about attachment styles. So I'm guessing mm -hmm. it talks about like anxious or anxious avoidant or secure attachment. Is that? Yeah, yeah. that is okay. exactly what it is. And there is definitely like this um, like sitcom moment where like both me and my ex are sitting in bed, like reading this book. Like one, each of us got the copy mm -hmm. and we go to the point where it's like this type is like anxious avoidant. I think it's one of the styles. Yes. And then like anxious, anxious attacks or attached. Sure. Yeah. And um, we figured out that like we were both one of those. And in the book, it's like, whatever you do, these two are not going to work. And we're like, ooh. <laughs> oh, like you both had this. So you're both, you both had the same style. Yeah. Um, no, we both. Because uh, like I am a very like I, my natural nature, like I'm an anxious person. Sure. And I we're Jewish. We're anxious. It's just yes. our it's part of our lineage. Yes, it's just every <laughs> like like it's just guilt twenty four seven. And uh, but I'm definitely a very like I'm a very touchy feely person. I love yes. yeah. I love I, I love hugs. I love being close to people. I'm kind of the same actually because I get stressed out and I get weird. But if someone just holds me, I'm like okay, I'm good. You know. Oh, yeah. Because the anxious avoidant is when you get that feeling and then you don't want to be touched and you need to run away, right? And that was and that was my ex. Yeah, she yeah. was anxious avoidant. And we just read more and more like this is going to be extraordinarily difficult. And I'm not usually somebody to like give in to like, like I'm not going to let a book tell me like how to rule my life. But just the level of psychology that they go into is amazing. And the scenarios that they lay out how these people might have these type of attachment issues or not issues with styles. Mm -hmm. um, it's super fantastic. I recommend it for anyone, even someone not in a relationship. Just... I think it's better to do this homework when you're not in a relationship, actually, mm -hmm. if you can, like if you're out on the dating apps and you're trying to figure out what kind of partner you want, or even if you're, you're just taking a break from dating for me, I feel like that's the best time to reflect upon my own relationship history, read these books, think about, okay, how, what is my ideal relationship? What does that look like? How am I going to be able to love again and trust again? And uh, how will my future 
potential partner serve me in that and how can I serve them? I mean, I think that's a really great time. It's just, instead, we're just swiping and seeing who's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is part of it. Physical's got to be there, I guess. But... No, of course. I, I just yeah. think for, for me, it's more of an icing on the cake, right? Like, of course, a basic attraction has to be there, but there are a lot of pretty people out there. Yeah. I mean, especially in LA, a lot of pretty people to choose from. And oh, man. The dating scene in L.A. I don't know how you do it. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I mean, I'm an L.A. native, so I guess Oh yeah. I just and then I went to school in New York. I lived there. So those are both big cities that notoriously everyone says it's so hard to date in L.A. It's so hard to date in New York. And I feel like it's just what they really mean is that it's hard to date in a very large city just because even pre dating apps. There's just a lot of fish in the sea. I feel like if you want to have a good dating life, you can put out the vibe of the partner that you want to have, and you can be very intentional about it, regardless of what city you live in. It just may be a little more, bit more of an uphill battle if you're coming up against people, which I've run into uh, more recently, who say they want a relationship up front, but then you date them for a little while and you realize they were lying to you. Yeah. That, I think, is the only, and I don't know if that's unique to big cities or not. I think I definitely ran into that a lot in Los Angeles, because um, yeah. I think the average time that I would be in a relationship in L.A. was three months. Oh, that's that's it? That's when you have to yep. say, hey, are you shitting or are you getting off the pot? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, a lot of the time. That was the average. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think three months... I mean, it's like the first trimester of a baby, and it's yeah. either going to happen or it's not. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Let's see where the dice rolls. The second I got out of that relationship, um, I, I think I already mentioned it, just like the grief was so intense, mm-hmm. but also the highs of possibility were just as intense. Mm. And so I... Packed up um, and moved out of Portland to Seattle within like a week and a half. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember watching this whole journey unfold on social media and being really fucking impressed by you. (laughs) Because I understand that you were running on adrenaline. However, like there are so many people, myself included, who would not have the strength to just pick up and move to an entirely different city a week and a half after the ending of a marriage. Mm-hmm. And so the, I, I just want to applaud you for that. Well, thank you. I, um, as much as I recommend it, I do caution others. I think the thing that I wasn't prepared for, cause like I have my family in Portland. Um, I had a couple friends. I didn't have a huge friend group. Um, and the thing that I wasn't prepared for was once I got all settled in Seattle, I had my, I had a great job coming up. I had a great apartment. I was reconnecting with a lot of old friends Mm -hmm. and definitely the high of getting out of a bad relationship is huge. And you're like new possibilities, new starts, everything's amazing. And then when you get settled and everything's just kind of settled, the emotions, at least for me, uh, hit like a brick to the face. Right. Yeah. Because the first like month or so was just... Like I had all these distractions, but I wasn't, I was so focused on a job and a new apartment and new people 
that when everything just settled, it like my brain caught up and I'm like, oh crap, I got a lot more work to do. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I I, I understand that uh, because there's a certain amount of trauma that you went through during that experience. And so like, for example, when your, your brain blacked out half of that text, right? So your mm-hmm. brain was kind of protecting itself from being, from fully processing all of it until you felt more safe, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, definitely like after, you know, when I found out what went on, like I got to an extreme anger point, like, and I've never been that angry in my life. Mm-hmm. And I hated feeling that anger. That brought up new emotions, just stuff I'd never experienced was happening to my brain. Wow. And I'd never... And what, what type ex- of stuff that you had never experienced? What was coming up? For example, when I found out, I threw a glass of wine. And that was an extreme anger that I've never felt before. Wow. And you and threw a glass of wine in the moment of finding out about this affair. moment of anger, threw a glass of wine, um, like spit at my ex. I was just so unbelievably mad. And me and my ex actually talked about it afterwards. She goes, like, you were extremely angry. Like, what happened? And I'm like, I my whole world crashed down within a five-second period. And yeah. it definitely led to me just getting unbelievably angry. And I hated that. I hated that feeling. Something I never experienced. And then also moving to Seattle, like, I just felt these extreme, extreme lows that I've also never experienced. So my brain was just going in like five different directions. And that's definitely where I was in therapy at least like once a week and just trying to process what my brain was doing. So like one part of my brain was fighting the other part. It's, it, it was a very interesting experience to go through. Yeah. I hope that you're not being too hard on yourself for that because it sounds like you, you're like you said, your entire world crashed down and you basically went back to being a caveman because mm-hmm. that was all that was left. All that was left was your instinct of rah, rah, rah. This person took my woman, right? Like, of course, yeah. <laughs> that's so human and it's so normal. And like, yeah, you threw a glass of wine. I don't I'm not condoning that people should do that, but no. you just found out about an affair and you didn't know. And I hope that you've forgiven yourself. <laughs> Yeah, and that was the big thing my therapist actually talked about. She goes like, "Yeah, she's like that happens." Like she, and I even read like some articles about people like you know like when like spouses go through betrayal, they just this animal instinct kicks in. And I remember I told my mom like, "Mom, like I'm not proud of this. Like I threw a glass of wine. Like I spit at her. Like I did all this mm-hmm. stuff." And my mom said, if I found out your dad was cheating on me, I'd cut his dick off. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the, the line between love and hate, very thin sometimes. Very thin. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's like the biggest because I did have a lot of people like asking me, like, how do you deal with a breakup? How do you deal with this stuff? And I told them, like, just remember every feeling that you're feeling right now. You're not alone. Like every person ever has felt this because in that moment you feel so alone, especially my entire world got taken away from me. I'm like, I am completely alone. And I think really reaching out to people, especially people who'd gone through similar experiences, fantastic thing about the internet. Like I, I did a hashtag divorce on TikTok, and then it's just like, look at all these people went through the same thing. And so that is the one thing I recommend to people is like, just yeah, remember you are not alone and there are people to reach out to and talk to about it. 
Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's the beautiful thing about TikTok. It's very similar to Reddit in that way, except for it's not anonymous, is that there are all these micro communities of people that are able to be there for each other through difficult life experiences. And that is divorce talk, I guess we would call it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, divorce talk, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 really great. And I, I've, I had a similar experience because I was pretty open about ending my engagement on social media and that I felt like I, I told everyone, I, I said, don't ask me any questions. Just be happy for me. I made this decision from a very healthy place and I'm moving forward with my life. And I can't tell you how many women were in my DMs and men, but mostly women because, you know, it's a very specific female experience calling off a wedding. And there were a few different things I got. It was like, I've been through the same thing. Don't be ashamed. Uh, or, oh my God, good for you. I'm so happy for you that you made this decision before you walked down the aisle because I didn't. And then I was in an unhappy marriage for five years or, you know, I heard all these different stories that really were so life affirming and mm -hmm. so reassuring to say, yeah, I'm not alone. And my decision was correct because I followed my instinct and I know what's best for me, you know, and as a, as a woman, we're so, I mean, I'm not. I'm getting very on the male female thing today, but I, it's just weddings are very heteronormative in the way that they're planned uh, a lot of the time. And I was never a little girl who really dreamed of the big wedding. What I've dreamed of is being in the movies <laughs> and and like helping people and yes, having a partner and building a family. But that's like like part of it. It's not my entire life is not building up to this quote unquote, big mm -hmm. day where there are some women who are socialized and they, they have a whole scrapbook before they even meet their husband. And they say, this is the theme of the wedding. This is the dream dress I picked out from when I was six years old. And it's, just, it's not me. Right. But I remember, even though that was not me, once I got engaged, there was this certain machine that was set in motion because both families were involved. And all of a sudden, all the friends that we invited were involved. And the relationship wasn't going very well. So I felt so exposed and I felt so under pressure. And it felt like a Herculean task to call off this wedding because it wasn't just a decision anymore between me and my partner. It wasn't just like, oh, a quote unquote normal breakup between a boyfriend and a girlfriend. It was, oh, now I'm letting down my entire family, his entire family, all of these friends. And it just... I didn't love how public it was. I think that's the only thing where if I could have changed that, I know that there's not, there's no control over that, but that was the problem for me was how like all of a sudden all these people who normally I would never call to tell about a breakup were just in my business. Yeah. It, <laughs> oh, people love the tea. People love the tea. And, and it's like, I'm going through a trauma. I don't want to rehash it to anyone let alone some random like i don't know high school friend or uh aunt uncle cousin la la like no and i remember at the time my mom actually if you're listening thank you she did some good mothering during that time because i during the wedding planning i will not lie we were a little bit at each other's throats but as soon as i said as things she i told her things were going bad she said you know what? I don't care 
uh, it's just a party. I want to make sure that you're safe and that you are happy and that you're in a loving relationship. And I remember that just meant so much to me and it gave me permission to know that I had her support and that she had my back. And she, I remember I told her, I was like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm picking up no one's phone calls. And she really fielded a lot of those uh, family phone calls or phone calls with the venue or things like that. And it just, it helped me to be able to just go into my little cocoon and cry and (laughs) do whatever I needed to do, you know? Oh, the emotional support from your family is underrated. And that's great that you had that with your mom. I'm very lucky to have that with both of my parents. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 It I will was, say, I mean, yeah. Sorry, you're saying, well, did, how, like, how did you tell them and how did they receive it? Um, I called them the night that it happened and I just told them flat out. Yeah. I just told yeah. them flat out what would happen and they were just as devastated and they're like what are you doing i'm like i'm going to the local bar yeah i went to a bar because for me like in that moment it was such an extreme low i'm like i know i can go to a bar where there's gonna be people yeah and had a couple drinks talked to a couple friends my parents showed up bought me some whiskey like good and i was lucky that they lived in town so i had a place to go good so that was fantastic um, I think like my, um, my movie moment through all this though, was that night after the bar, walking my parents' place. Uh, I'm not a smoker, but I definitely had a cigarette that night. You're allowed. And In I, that moment, oh, you're allowed. And I walked, <laughs> I walked past a graveyard going to my parents' house and uh-huh. I just stood in the graveyard drunk with a cigarette and just screamed as loud as I could for like two minutes. And it felt great. Yeah, you let all that yeah. shit out. That was my that, that was my movie moment. <laughs> I always ask my guests. I have a segment. It's called Hot Tips. Hot Tips. Hot Tips. Hot Tips. Bow, 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 bow. Insert sound effect here. Um, when you have a shitty day and you come home, uh, whether it's you bombed at a, at a show, which I know never happens anymore, or you have a bad day at work, uh, what is something you do for yourself? Cook a meal. Yeah. Always, and it doesn't have to be a complicated meal. Um, and for me, because uh, I worked in kitchens for so long, mm-hmm. um, and I grew up in kitchens, um, cooking is a familiar, happy place for me. Yeah. And I have a lot of good memories surrounding it, and it's a very easy, simple thing I can do. Um, I know people like to meditate, but for me, it's just what feelings can I bring up right now that are going to make me happy? And so that's what I think, cooking a meal. Yeah, cooking is so therapeutic and it's also, it's nourishing. I love coming home after a long day, putting on, I actually, I love jazz or classic rock. And then I just kind of open the fridge and I go, okay, I'm Ratatouille. What am I doing? (laughs) You know, (laughs) or I'm Iron Chef. (laughs) It's an amazing feeling. What's your favorite thing to cook? When you're like, uh, or like a popular f- dish that's in the rotation. My favorite thing to cook, it's mostly junk food. Uh, <laughs> if I'm being yeah. honest, my favorite sadness dish is macaroni and cheese with sausage. Oh my God. Yeah. There you and go. My, that's some comfort food. It's comfort. And uh, my dad makes all of his uh, own sausages from scratch. So he sends me them 
And so I get a little nostalgia. And then my favorite dish, mac and cheese, of course, made from scratch. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and for sharing all of these really vulnerable things and, you know, no, in a comedic way, no less. I, I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Good, good. Um, well, how can people find you and your comedy on the internet or otherwise? I know you're in Seattle and you play a mm-hmm. lot of clubs in Seattle, right? Yeah, I play a lot of clubs in Seattle. Um, I was on the road before the pandemic, and this is the year that I'm hoping to get back on the road. Um, Great. Yeah, so mostly through Instagram. Uh, Instagram handle, jakeandbake88. Um, I have the handle of a child and I'm proud of it. <laughs> We're, yeah, we'll put it all in the description because you're also on TikTok uh, and uh, yeah. on, on Divorce Talk, apparently. <laughs> yep. So- uh, ju- just look at hashtag divorce. Um, yeah, TikTok, Twitter, <laughs> all that good stuff. Oh, my God. Wait, that should be the title of this episode. Hashtag divorce. Absolutely. There it is. We found it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Crying Behind Sunglasses. I've been your host, Kayla Dahl. And if you want to see more about Jake, as well as his comedy and his cooking, you can see him on Instagram at jakeandbake88. I'll have all the info of the books that we mentioned and everything else in the description below. If you want to follow along on social media, then you can check me out, of course, as always, at Crying Behind Pod on all the platforms or at Kayla Doll. Again, it's spelled weird. Just check it out below. If you like what you heard today, you can support us on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash cryingbehindpod. And something that's completely free is just going on your favorite podcast app and leaving us a review. Not only rating it five stars, but scroll all the way to the bottom and go to the part where it says write a review. Type that on in. It'll make you feel good. It'll make me feel good. And that's going to give you good karma. And then good things are going to happen to you. It's just a whole circle of goodness. You see where I'm going with this? I don't know. Anyway, uh, thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny. (laughs) 